Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing the 14th episode of Season 2 of Rebels, titled Homecoming. But first, we have a... I don't know if it's called a big announcement, but it's pretty big for us, at least. That's kind so of a William, special announcement. A special, yeah, that's the right word. A special announcement. Yeah. So, uh, this is actually a really cool milestone for us. This is the 50th episode of Ion Cannon. Now, we... We recorded many, many, many episodes under uh, We Talk Clones, but ever since mm-hmm. we rebranded to Ion Cannon to focus on more than just the Clone Wars, we have uh, so far released 50 episodes, which is really cool, especially for a show that you know primarily focuses on, on episodes of a TV show or books or whatnot, so uh, we're very excited to hit 50 episodes. I can't believe we've been... My biggest question is, how much have we done over the years of being together as a group of three hosting the show? I mean, uh, we, we, we must have done many, uh, many, many, many hours of podcast for over these years. Oh, I'm, be I'm fun. I, mean, I, wa- I wonder how many hours we've done. We did so think about it this way. So figure maybe an hour on average for every TV episode we review. Our, our we had... Episode, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming an hour just to be to be safe. Sure. Right. So then you figure we've got uh, what about six seasons worth of episodes of Clone Wars. Figure there's 20 episodes a season. That's 120. Am I doing my yeah? 120 hours. Plus throw in a bunch of specials and stuff. So it'll probably be close to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, if you added up all the specials Plus and interviews, another... probably maybe 150. Mm-hmm. Plus Rebels. Plus Rebels. And that is. By far understating it, I'm sure. Absolutely. That's correct. And then the the other thing I'm thinking, out of all the Star Wars podcasts that are out there, how many can say we have been consistent as a hosting team for all these shows? Yeah. How many shows have changed hosts? There are a handful that I think have gone the eight years Uh um, with the same group of people, but not a ton. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's really just cool. insane. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Well, and this episode's also kind of another special milestone in some ways for us because I think we talked about this on the last episode. Um, the The first time all three of us were together was for, uh, as officially, as, as all you know, full-time hosts, was I think the Ryloth uh, arc from the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were both, uh, I mean, the three of us were, we were hosting regularly throughout the first season basically from rookies on mm-hmm. um let's see there was yeah. 22 episodes first season so i think from episode 5 to 19 uh we were pretty regular together but um we officially became like the the, the, the official three hosts the trio the trio yeah. wow. exactly uh, uh during the ryloth arc if memory serves i haven't gotten yeah. back and listened to those episodes but i'm pretty sure that's when that happened Sounds about that's right. Fast. 
fascinating and it's funny how it all comes full circle because not to make this sound like a really bad transition which it is Mm -hmm. but the episode rundown for tonight happens to be involving uh ryloth it was perfect (laughs) tom nobody noticed i know look at if i'm gonna say something i'm gonna telegraph it i'm not gonna sit there hit it and walk away i do that at work when i give a tour anyway but we are actually going to be reviewing tonight rebel season two episode 14 homecoming it does involve Ryloth, but this show was written by Stephen Melching and directed by Bosco Ning. The synopsis is the ghost crew joins forces with Cam Syndulla, there's the Ryloth connection, father of Hera and the Clone Wars legend. But will his thirst for revenge and fractured relationship with his daughter cost the rebels of victory? Okay, that was a terrible transition, but I had to get it there. Yeah, it sounded okay to me. Okay. So I have to say, this episode picked up. I was We talked about it last week in the preview. I It started off perfect. Yes. The Phoenix Squadron is trying to transfer cargo from a transport to uh, the cor- Corvette, who now I think about it, I don't know what it's actually called. And they barely managed to do it with a Star Destroyer on their tail. And, oh, no, one of their A-wings is damaged. Their hyperdrive is down. What are we going to do? We have to dock before we can jump to hyperspace. And Oh, no, the A-Wings is destroyed. Poof. Well, unbelievable. You know what? This I have to say this is the best thing. I think we've, we've kind of mentioned this before. They finally addressed that they are losing pilots like crazy, and they're trying to exactly. figure out a way to solve it. And this this was a good episode. I mean, it it helped the story along. It was, okay, it didn't feel like a filler episode like the past two, which I wouldn't really consider, you know, kind of a filler, but at least this had something to go along with the main story plot of trying to get, you know, the rebellion of fleet. They had a mission to where they needed to get this aircraft, this carrier. I was going to call it an aircraft carrier. It's basically what it is. Yeah, it is. It's a cool design. I love the design of that carrier, that carrier. Oh yeah. But uh... yeah, well, We'll talk about it. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll I, get there. I, like you guys said, I am glad they acknowledged that, you know, yeah, we're losing a lot of pilots. And, um, you know, because I'm sure they're, they're, they don't have much strength right now. And so, uh, you know, recruits, I'm sure, are a scarce resource, even in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, under the oppression of the Empire. And so they can't afford to keep losing people and ships. It's too, too heavy uh, of a loss. Uh, so yeah. it's nice that they acknowledge that. Uh, I'm not oh, white. I was gonna say real fast. One other yeah. touch I really appreciated: the transport that they were transferring cargo from or to was one of the transports that Leia gave them in yes a few episodes ago. Oh, you're right. Which is that even was better. true. I like how they yeah how they, they tie just, all this together. It tied it together perfectly. And it's mm-hmm. subtle too. You don't you know they don't knock you over the head with it, which is good. But mm-hmm. for those who of you who are paying attention, you can totally catch exactly. I'm not sure how the aircraft carrier, effectively, the just the, the, the Imperial carrier, will um, help them save the lives of pilots, because they, they kind of had an awkward transition where they said, you know, we're, we're, we're losing pilots. You know, oh, okay, so let's take, steal this carrier. And I'm not sure how the carrier will save the lives of pilots. It'll definitely give them a place to land and have some downtime. I'm not sure it'll help them in the midst of a battle. But, well, um, I could, yeah. I I could see it by way of... So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I could see it when that A-wing was trying to um, catch itself into that cruiser. 
this way all I had to do is fly into the aircraft carrier instead of trying to try and dock with the cruiser. So I can see yeah. how it will yeah, help them. Yeah. It, it, it makes some them. sense. It doesn't yeah, really it does. address the fact that they're they're like, okay, you've got a place to land them. But I feel like the bigger issue is your ships are getting blown up in the exactly. fight. Right. Exactly. Not they need better trained pilots. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their pilot training needs to be improved just a little bit. Or or at least make sure you have precautions when going on these missions, you know. Uh, exactly. as much as possible. But Mm-hmm. You know, it, at least it's it's nice to see them acknowledging the issue, mm-hmm. uh, and they use it as a perfect excuse to go take this carrier, which is, happens to be orbiting Ryloth, and that gives us Cham Syndulla. Uh mm-hmm. Now, Cham, as, as I think we talked about briefly a little bit, um, Cham has a couple of important connections. First of all, he was um, he was a major player in the the Ryloth trilogy uh, mm-hmm. during uh, season one of the Clone Wars. I think it was episodes. I want to say 18 through 21 of the uh, uh, of the Clone Wars, although Cham really primarily makes an appearance in episode 21. Um, episode Sounds 20 right. features Numa, the little girl that uh, Waxer and Boyle find the two clone troopers, and uh, and the the first episode in that arc is more of a space battle um, mm-hmm. while the Republic's trying to get down to to Ryloth. But uh, so anyway. Uh, we get the return of Cham Syndulla, a, a, a Clone Wars character now in Rebels, uh, many years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we also get uh, you know, more backstory on Hera, because Cham is Hera's father. And we've known this, uh, for those of you who read uh, um, Lords of the Sith, Cham Syndulla played a pretty major role in that book as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, actually, the that, that book... And the TV and, and, and Rebels kind of influenced each other, and they were working on both at the same time, uh, which is really cool and, and, and pretty, uh, you know, it, it's one of the, the new the great things about the new canon where I think Pablo Hidalgo joked on Twitter, uh, in the old world, they would have made the, they would have written the book, they would have made the episode about TV, uh, Rebels, and, and said, oh, wait, Cham's in both of these. Huh, mm-hmm. Look at that. And they would have had some context. Huh? Versus now, yeah, and then they. Sorry, Tom. Oh, and then we're gonna say then they'd probably have to try and retcon something because they had them. Oh, look at this! Then how is it going to work out? Whereas I think what you were gonna say what worked out this way since they were able to work on both of them at the same time, which I caught on to this, the character literally fit from the TV show to the book. Exactly, and they Mm -hmm. even referenced the events in the book in the TV show, and so it's not a lot. It's more close. Oh, interesting. Lords of the Sith was the one book I think I missed in the new canon thus far. So really that I completely missed. I enjoyed that one. You should, you should still go. I did too. It's been on my to read list. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. And have we reviewed that yet? Have we gone uh, through and reviewed that one yet? I don't think we ever got a chance to review that one on the show. No. Okay. Um, and, and I want I'm to apologize for anybody if I if I sound a little funny. I'm I have a little cold or something. I'm not quite sure what I've been, I've been feeling under the weather for a few days, so that's why I might sound a little mm-hmm. off. Anyway, uh, so Hera calls her father for help, and uh, it's interesting the way she starts this discussion because we know they're kind of estranged, and she just says, "We need to talk," and that's that's why she that's the first words to her father. Uh, and then we get to the we get the uh, the rebels logo in it. After the break, it comes back, and we get the arrival of Cham Sadilla. 
And he's flanked mm-hmm. by, he brings along his two finest warriors, none other than Numa and Gobi Glee. Now, I think we said Numa is, she's the young Toilik uh, whom Waxer and Boyle rescued during the Ryloth arc. And uh, yep. it's really cool to see her back again. I, I think my favorite, one of my favorite parts of this episode, and I'll get to my other favorite part later when we start talking about the carrier, but mm-hmm. it's just, this felt like such a natural progression of the Clone Wars episode. And it's not just that we've got Cham and Numa and characters like that, but it's also that everything they do in this episode is informed by their experiences mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. from the Clone Wars episode and what happened after. And you can you can feel like, you know, yeah, like they lived that. Like we I can see exactly why Cham is the way he is. And it adds such so much depth to the episode. It was just perfect. I totally agree. And you even mm-hmm. get some nice little details, like the the armor they all wear is uh, all salvaged from Ghost Company, the the, the, the clone um, trooper um, uh, company that was in the Ryloth arc. Uh, Numa, she has this, uh, she has Boyle's name written in Arbish on her upper left arm and a, a faded Tuca doll illustration on her tunic. Like, a lot of really nice little details like that. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, as you, as you said, Stephen, uh, their actions are totally influenced by the events of the Clone Wars and then Lords of the Sith. And so everything they do makes sense. And, and they're, they're, both sides are trying, both, both the Rebels and Cham and his, his uh, Free Ryloth movement are trying to do the right thing. But they kind mm-hmm. of have a different way of going about it in some ways and as a result they don't quite yeah. see eye to eye and it causes some some very interesting conflict well yeah. there's another interesting thing that that i liked is that sabine even called out that i guess when she was at the academy the imperial academy was trying was studying cam's tactics during you know that's how up he is within the rebellion even the empire is studying him mm-hmm. and sabine's like mm-hmm. hey well, remember, you know, that was a nice little call out. Yeah, Champion even in the rebellion, but he his tactics are so great that he's been able to he was able to 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 win all of these battles in, in, in a fairly brilliant way. So much so, in fact, mm. that and I, I love this little moment uh, when when Cham arrives or right before he arrives, Kanan is getting is very nervous. oh I that, that's, that. that was funnier than Hack. He's like. You know, yes. he's like, you know, make straightening his, his outfit and his hair and making sure everything looks good. And he's got like this great facial mm-hmm. expression of like nervousness on his, on, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so great. It's almost kind of like, and, and the other thing is he's meeting Hera's dad and they're always joked that like, you know. Uh, meeting the dad for the first time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Gotta make an impression. Exactly. You know, it. I feel like Kanan, especially in the last couple of episodes, has really hit his stride as far as how he is uh, portrayed. Mm-hmm. Like you think about like I'm not sure how much I like him as the series Jedi trainer, but the kind of Kanan we saw a little bit more in A New Dawn, and we're seeing a lot in this season. The kind of more joking, more, more jovial. Cal- He's exactly. lightening up a bit. Yeah. The more the scoundrel in Kanan. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It it just fits him so well. Yeah, and and when Cham arrives. You know, you can see how much tension there is because Hera greets him and he completely ignores her comment mm-hmm. and goes straight to Kanan like, "Oh, you're the Jedi I've heard about." And that's when Kanan tries to introduce the rest of the group. And he's constantly. And he gets to 
Chandler. And he gets the names. He gets the names all wrong. That was the funniest thing. He he calls Ezra Zeb. He calls Sabine Ezra or whatever. I the, the yeah. one that cracked me up was Ezra Zeb. I I was it was hard to figure out who he called Sabine and and Zeb. But just when he goes and this is Zeb and he's like, and Ezra got it all wrong. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, such a great moment. Such a great moment. But the other thing I loved about it, when he when he was trying to stand at attention before yeah. uh, Cham came on, that was like, and I think Ezra's like, what's gotten into him? Mm-hmm. He, he seems so out of place, which is... Yes. It, it, it was great. He was kind of flustered and very, very nervous. And yeah. Yeah. Such a, such a great moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... It's at this point that we kind of get into the bit, the first piece of the ideological difference between Cham and Phoenix Squadron. Cham, so we've decided, okay, we're going after the carrier. Cham wants to destroy it and have it burn through the atmosphere as a symbol for Ryloth. And of course, the rebels are trying to steal the carrier so that they can make use of it. Mm. And it just this discussion was so fascinating watching Cham, like, just the passion in Cham's eyes are like, no, it has to burn. Like Ryloth needs it needs to see it. They need the symbol. And I love the way Hera just was like, no, we're not doing that. That's a bad plan. Well, there was another thing I found fascinating when they were having the discussion. When Hera and Cham were off by themselves, did you notice how Vanessa Marshall, at a certain point, her her accent match that of champs she oh, okay. lost Th- that was my okay. absolute favorite part of the episode yeah and that was just amazing and that, that that's that's a little bit in right but um uh, it, it is a little bit we, in but it's it, it's so great because we start to learn harris backstory and we'll, we'll we'll dive into that part in just a minute but cham walks in and um he starts scolding hera for wasting her life and devoting herself to lost causes and you know She's put her faith in outsiders, and and Cham says, "I, you know, you, you remember what happened last time we did that with the Republic? They came in, we we helped the Republic, and then they became the Empire. And so he's mm-hmm. not wanting to put himself his 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 faith in in anyone but himself and the people now. And Hera starts to get very upset and um and kind of and frustrated with him, and um and as she's talking to him, all of a sudden." her accent changes and starts to slip into this French accent, which is mm-hmm. unbelievable acting on Vanessa Marshall's part, the way she slips in and out of that accent. Cause it's just like how, you know, if you grow up somewhere and you, you have an accent and you, you move away and you lose that accent when you're with your family, uh, that accent often returns, especially when you're more, uh, maybe upset or, or frustrated mm-hmm. or vulnerable, that accent will return again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was just so perfect the the way they did that and it completely caught me by surprise mm-hmm. uh, and I instantly was like I, 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 as soon as I saw it, it was my favorite part of the episode probably such a it was, little detail and it, it was a great touch yeah, yeah and, and it, was... it explains why you know all the Twi'leks in the Clone Wars had French accents every single one of them and then Hera comes mm-hmm. along in Rebels and doesn't have a French accent why the heck not that explains it. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. Uh, according to an interview with Vanessa, um, I don't remember where it was, unfortunately, but uh, they talk about how they almost didn't have her accent change. Uh, I think, 
I guess the, when she was originally interviewing, they asked her if she could. Uh, when she was interviewed, they didn't actually ask her about it at all. Her first first day on set, uh, way back in you know episode one, of season one, they asked her if she could do a French accent. She's like, oh yeah, I can. I'm, I'm fluent in French. And uh, they never brought it up to her again. Uh, hmm. And then Dave Filoni one day randomly emailed her and said, hey, um, you know, do you think Hera's accent would ever you know come back if if she was visiting home? And she's like, nah, only if she's angry. Uh, and that's kind of how the yeah. idea was born. They actually recorded two takes. They did one with the accent and one without. And I'm so glad they went with the one that had the accent, the French accent. Uh, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was perfectly planned. Yeah. And and perfectly executed. It was great. Yeah. I I also love that we got a backstory for Chopper here too, or at least kind of a little. <laughs> one. Yes, we did. We got a little one. Because Cham scolds Hera for you know wasting her life on junk like this droid she picked up from the Clone Wars. And it was now, like I want, I want to see that story now. Probably, I imagine it in kind of comic form is Hera discovers this spunky droid on Ryloth. But well, he can't even. Uh, he doesn't even remember Chopper's name. You know, he just says no. this droid, and you could tell that kind of offense here too. But it's interesting mm-hmm. to see. Like, I guess Chopper's been with Hera for longer than we thought. He's been with her since the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting to me. Now, that would be interesting. Dave Filoni said that one of the Inquisitors we've already seen in the Clone Wars, in fact, the Grand Inquisitor, it would be funny if he were to come back and say, well, even Chopper was in the Clone Wars. Yeah. And that's where you want to go back and say, oh, now we got to go try and find it. Find mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I suspect Chopper probably isn't actually in the Clone Wars. Uh, but just the fact that he was around during that time is, I don't know, I think it's... It's really Obviously, cool. Obviously, it is pretty cool. on the age, but it, at least mm-hmm. Hera's age, she'd be around during the Clone Wars, but... It's still it's still fun to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of, of of Hera and the Clone Wars, um, that's uh, one thing we you know, we got a lot of answers about about her uh, that we we find out that she hasn't seen her she hasn't spoken to her father in years, um, and how they kind of became estranged once her mom was killed uh, in the resistance against the Empire. I believe this is talking about could this be. So I, I wasn't sure if this was actually referring to the Lords of the Sith or not. There was a character whom uh, Cham was very close with, Isval, in Lords of the Sith. That's uh, right. And not to, since you haven't read it, Stephen, we won't go into too much detail hmm. about Isval's character. You're you're probably okay to spoil um, it at this point. It's been a while. Okay, so for those of you yeah. who haven't read it, Isval dies at the end of the episode, at the end of the book, and um, uh, and it's implied that. Uh, she is not Hera's mom, but it's never quite stated definitively. All we know is that Hera is around at that time, and even during the Clone Wars, Cham hadn't seen her in many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very curious, like what what happened to Hera at this point? You know, that that you know, after, shortly after the Clone Wars, right into the rise of the Empire, um, why wouldn't have uh, why wouldn't have Cham seen? Uh, Hera in so long, and, and how did Hera's mom die? Uh, and was Isvil Hera's mom? I, it doesn't sound like it, but it it's also not not super clear. I would think the possibility is probably still open that she could be, because if I remember the book correctly, she was always always pushing Cham, saying, "You're the one." If I remember correctly, you're the one that's like important to this. You're the one yeah, that needs to. Yeah, she's like you. You you're the main thrust in all this. So she really, if I remember correct, had some kind of attachment to him. Oh, totally. I, I 
yeah, I don't know if it's it's that kind of attachment, but it was definitely like a hero attachment or you know that kind of pedestal. There, there was some line in the book that made me think that she was not Hera's mom, um, but it, were it not for that one line, I would have been positive that you know mm-hmm. that that's who she was. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm very curious to to learn more about exactly what happened to Hera, but at least now we know that you know she and her dad became. Um, estranged once her mom died and her uh, cham continued to, to to fight the fight and he, you know, he wanted to free ryloth still and he switched from fighting the separatists mm-hmm. to fighting the empire mm-hmm. and uh, uh and he decided never to trust anyone again and just just trust the the, the, the Felix. yeah it seemed like when it came to cham he's he's the kind of person where he has to have a war to fight he has to. I, I was watching the um, uh, Dave Filoni on um, Rebels. Uh, what's the show after it? The Re- not Re- yeah Rebels Recon, and he was saying that you know Cham's the kind of person that you know there always has to be a fight. He always had to fight. It's like if there was mm-hmm. nothing left for him, you know what would he be doing? And it seemed like it was that. Well, you know, I fought on the side of the you know Empire. Well you know, the Republic at this point, And that was great because we had to go against the empire, but then the Republic ended up becoming the empire. So I'm going to go do this now. And now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going, I have nothing to do other than fight. Mm-hmm. And that really showed in this episode. That's all he wanted to do was just fight and destroy things. It wasn't like in this case, Harrow's trying to talk him into not destroying the carrier, but he had to do it. He had to say, say it as a symbol. For his people, because he was fighting for his people. Yeah. It was, it, I felt like it was such a natural reaction to everything he's experienced. Like, he fought so hard to free Ryloth in the first place, and mm-hmm. he just saw it go to nothing. And uh, the other thing I really liked is Ryloth is traditionally, in the Legend universe, also often described as kind of a very secretive sort of culture. And I think that originally kind of built off this idea that they're all kind of, uh, I don't want to say drug dealers, but, you know... Um, why am I blanking on his name? Underworld types, yeah. Exactly. And I like this idea that, no, it's really because maybe, like, they've just gotten kind of a rotten deal over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's like, what it's appearing right now, that they have gotten the rotten deal, the, the bad side of things. Yeah. It's just, I thought it was incredibly well done. And you I like can't feel bad Chams. for them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they're almost like a people that's being beaten down. There's always a war on their planet that they just can't get out of. And that's probably why you've got Cham just so driven to be like, you know, I'm to the point right now where I've got to free this planet and I've got to give them a symbol that there is hope. I, I just love the fact that they included the carriers because it's actually, I think it's called a Quasar Fire Class carrier, the most ex- famous of which is the Flurry, which shows up, I think, first in Trucid Bakura, which is one of those re- older uh, expanded universe novels. And the Flurry and that style of ship have kind of a long history, both in uh, mainly in the expanded universe. It comes, shows up a couple of games as well, um, and a lot of the Rogue Squadron books, which is one of the reasons it's so near and dear to my heart. Uh, um, I've completely forgotten about that ship. I I remember because it it's such a distinctive design, and it's it's one of the few like fighter carriers we actually get in the expanded universe. That style of ship just really doesn't exist mm-hmm. anywhere else. Now, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but the ship has actually switched sides. Sort of. Well, 
Yeah, so the, uh, it's, yeah, in the expanded universe, it's, I believe, a rebel ship. Uh, perhaps this one, even. We never did get its name, but uh, that would be really cool if they actually did that. I would love if they did that. Um, but on topic, yes, traditionally it was a uh, rebel ship, not an imperial ship. Uh, but it's pretty cool that they're they're digging into the Legends universe and pulling some stuff out to make it canon. I'm enjoying that. Well, I, I think what I appreciate most is... Yeah. it's, And I, I didn't appreciate this as much at the beginning, and I, I'm happy they're doing it so much. It's, okay, so we've decided we need a fighter carrier type ship. Instead of coming up with something new, they go back and go, it's like, oh, hey, maybe we've got something in the expanded universe we can use. Mm-hmm. And I... I I actually really like the way they're bringing things back in that way. They're doing such a great job. Well, I think, yeah. Yeah. And I think that if they hold true to like the purpose of, of, you know, why they bought the franchise, because I do remember Pablo at that one, that one convention I saw on that saying that, you know, there was bits and pieces and we, Disney got the franchise for this kind of stuff. It's there to use but use in the way that they want to use it for mm-hmm. instead of just taking it the way it is. We'll t- take the bits and pieces, work it into the canon that we want and it's working. You yeah. know, this is a great example. Definitely. Exactly. This, this whole arc the episode really is a, is a great example of how they've been able to merge different pieces of canon together from yeah. other books in, 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 the, in the new canon to, uh, to bring in stuff from the legends universe and, which is which is really great yeah i mean in fact you know this this episode almost even included a reference to an old starwars.com webcomic that tied in with the ryloth trilogy um and i really remember did you guys did you guys ever read the the online webcomics for the clone wars I did once or twice. Release a new installment. It was only like a few pages long. You could go in there, and it tied into that week's episode. I know Pablo worked very closely on that, and I think Leland as well. She. I remember reading. Didn't they put out comic strips at a certain point? Yeah. So they so they they reuploaded. Yeah, I remember reading the comic strips. They reuploaded the comic strips from like the the old was it Archie Goodwin strips or whatever it was, Uh, Mm -hmm. but they also put up this one, uh, just during season one of the Clone Wars. And uh, one of them was the Ballad of Cham Sindola, which was a uh, a song composed by Gobi, who uh, happens to be in this episode, and talks all about Cham's exploits. <coughs> Sorry. And uh, they almost snuck in a reference to that in, in this episode. Um, the uh, the writer Stephen Melching did his best to sneak in a reference, but the best he could do is um, is a reference to the the Hammer of Ryloth, which is what. The uh, the Battle of of Lessu, I guess was was named, um, but th- that whole scene where you hear about the Battle of Lessu is it, just so fantastic. Where Cham is regaling Kanan with stories of his exploits during the Clone Wars, and oh. and, and Kanan's just eating it up. Meanwhile, Hera is sitting there in the cockpit. Hera wanted nothing to do with it and was shutting the door. She, that she I did enjoy the that. Door yeah, right down on him, so he doesn't have to hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and Kanan eventually comes in and tells her, "Hey, you, you and your father are, are more alike than than you know." And uh, she wasn't she wasn't too happy about that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, for those of you who who, who want to read uh, the Ballad of Champs and Dilla, it's still available 
Um, if you do a search for it, you can find an old archived copy on archive.org, and uh, and you can read it there. It's a little bit low res, but it is there if you're if you're curious about Cham's exploits. It's even got a little Gobi playing some sort of instrument at the bottom of every page. <laughs> How fun! That's very fun. Yeah. See. And it's all working out well. They're really trying to make all this stuff work. Definitely. I love it. I just So we, we get past all of the, these intros, right? And uh, there's a lot of character development in this part. Uh, but it's just so well done. Um, the, the action really begins when the Rebels and Tamsinville put their plan into action. Right? And they put their plan in motion. Wow. Well, oh, that's and, true. Yeah. It okay, doesn't well, change until a little bit later. Yeah. It kicks it up a notch a little bit, but but the rebels basically they they, they take a, a tie bomber and uh, they wait for all the tie bombers to go on patrol and then uh, basically chase their own stolen tie bomber in toward the carrier with uh, some of their a wings, making it look like the the tie bombers are under, under attack, and that's how they were they... able to sneak aboard the carrier with a, a crash landing of sorts. Yeah, and boy, was that a crash landing! I mean, it, it wasn't wasn't the comment. It with Zeb, when Hera yells, hold on, it wasn't it Zeb mentioned, I hate when she says that, or somebody says yeah. a mm-hmm. line like that towards like, and it never turns out well. Exactly. I mean, exactly. she did, she pulled off a great crash landing, but everybody inside got knocked out for a little bit. And what ended up happening, you had the Imperials come and kind of put out a fire that started, which, you know, well, there's a bit thing that happens even before even that. That's well, kind of yeah, a little bit before that. So I, I, I jumped a little bit before we get there. I want to say, I was really impressed with that scene as well with, it wasn't just like, Oh, we're a tie bomber. We're crashing. And they're like, okay. It was, I just love the attention of like, well, what's, what's your code? I came it's like at seven, five, two. And then you hear explosions. Oh, in the background. Yeah. Like those little pieces that make it feel like, okay. Like, you know, it's not like they're, the empire is being lazy. Like they're trying. It's just like, Oh shit, we've got to help. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh darn! We've got to help our <laughs> our people. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Stephen, I, I wanted to ask you <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, because you know typically most Tie Fighters are are, are very very small, right? Yep. Enough room for just one pilot. In fact, uh, during the the era of you know, the Empire, um, the Tie Fighters were so small they didn't even have a lot of things like life support, etc. The Thai Special Forces fighter, which we see in the Force Awakens, is a little bit bigger and has enough room for two people. But right. uh, this Thai and bomber, it appears in that atmosphere too. Yeah, but this Thai bomber um, now it has the two cylinders, right, that can carry people. So, uh, so the idea of being to carry a pilot on one side and a bomber on the other. But the, well, so the interior of the ship was enormous. It was way bigger than I ever thought. My so the second pod is usually used for is bomb storage. Okay, uh, was always my understanding. My guess is they hollowed out a lot of that ship to add in the enough space. It still feels a little on the big side, but maybe not as. It absurd. seemed like they were in a giant cockpit. Yeah, it seemed pretty. Yeah, big. Tons I, mean, of, I, you know, very I didn't notice it at the time. It was probably a little much, uh, but like it's just on the edge of believability. I'd say. it worked it's one of those things how else were they going to get on i mean this this was the this was the thing that actually worked because if it wasn't 
four of the bombers that were coming out of this carrier, what else could they have used to got on get on other than maybe a stolen transport? That's mm-hmm. been done before. Yeah, well, I mean, they basically had six, I've... seven, eight, nine characters they had to get on this ship, and yeah, you know, your tra- traditional Thai bombers, if they could only fit like two people, wouldn't have cut it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, you know, it's their their SUV sized Thai bomber. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the the big shocker for me, and I was not expecting this at all. Were you guys expecting the betrayal? I was. Really? Uh, well, I because it's the character. I mean, because I kept flashing back to the book that he was in. And it just seemed like he had his agenda. He was going to do it. He fought so hard to make his point. The only way to do this was to crash that carrier. So it was going to happen. I, I, I just had a feeling it was going to happen. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying this because I, I want to take that side. It's like... It seemed like it was the character. He was going to do it regardless. Gotcha. And he did, it didn't matter that it was Hera that he was double-crossing. Well, and that that's the crazy thing, right? Not only did he betray the rebels, he betrayed his own daughter, double-crossed her, and said, yeah, I'm just using you to... I was just using you to get on the ship. Um, I couldn't do it by myself, but you were able to help me. Now I'm going to go blow up the carrier. And... He, Numa, and Gobi basically all they take out, they whip out their their blasters, set them to stun, and they stun everyone on the ship, including Chopper. Mm-hmm. Hera, I guess he doesn't stun; he just handcuffs her and ties her to the console. But uh, boy, it's still I mean, pretty bad. It's still pretty brutal, and I, I kind of felt bad for Numa too, because like, no, Numa, you know, cute little Numa is now betraying the rebels in this case, <laughs> working with working with Cham and. Uh, I mean, Cham's trying to do the what he thinks is the right thing, but uh, it was definitely a, a surprise. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Hera, Hera was able to wake up Chopper uh, and uh, get him to to cut the the bracers uh, or the handcuffs. Well, everybody at that point was start. They were starting to come around. You know, it was it was just a natural thing that at some point they were going to come around. Wake so, up and realize what's, yeah. what's happened to them. But Kanan realizes he doesn't like he doesn't maybe like her father as much as he thought he did, which, no, which yeah. I like. I like that line. Oh, on second thought, I don't like your father anymore. <laughs> After all the fawning over him, he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we got this big running battle through the ship at this point, uh, Kanan and Ezra have this amazing scene. I really really cool use. Very true. And uh, it was one of those things that just it touched on so many pieces of Star Wars. So they're at the end of a long corridor, kind of like the prison hallway from Episode Four, and stormtroopers are like, "Shut the blast doors!" And so those blast doors start slowly closing, which I think I don't remember. I feel like it's been made fun of in Star Wars multiple times at this point. Yeah, especially even even A New Hope, where it's like, "Close the blast doors! Close the blast doors!" And Mm -hmm. open the blast doors! Open the blast blast doors! doors. Like, wait, wait, now we can't get through. Open the blast doors! Open the blast doors! Right. Watching Kane and Ezra like push and pull each other and like slingshot through that hallway was just really, really cool. It was, it was one of the coolest things. Favorite. It was teamwork. That yeah, was the it was coolest one of my favorite, thing. Favorite parts because you know, uh, Kanan basically throws Ezra through some of the closing doors. Ezra turns around, grabs Kanan, and th- picks him up, pulls him toward him, and throws him you know down the hallway. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, Kanan's whipping out his lightsaber and. 
the the whole scene is just it's really well done, really cool, very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to traverse that long hallway very quickly using the force, and it's a good opportunity for them to show off their progression, their command with the force. Uh, and even well, a couple minutes later, you know, Ezra gets to do his first ever Jedi mind trick. Yeah, but that I, didn't start out so well, which was it, it kind of worked for me that it didn't it wasn't the automatic. OK, I can do this. I'm going to use the you know force suggestion on this guy. And it was very funny. It was just like you will evacuate. And then the to paraphrase, can't remember the exact words, but the commander was like, we're not going to do what you say. Mm-hmm. It was the, I found a scene really interesting as well, because you can see uh I don't know, a, a certain style coming through for Star Wars that we've never had for something like this. Mm-hmm. So this remind me so much of The Force Awakens, and I suppose this will be spoilers for The Force Awakens. Um, so you've got, like Ray, Ezra has the first attempt, doesn't work, mm-hmm. and then there's this this background swell of music, which I don't really know how to describe, but it's the same for both Ray and Ezra as they're kind of building their power. And then they say it again, and there's the person their uh, target you know does the kind of sit back into like a neutral pose and then repeats it and it was we never got those kind of touches before it was you know a jedi mind trick was just a jedi mind trick is you know you'll open these cuffs i'll open these cuffs and that was it and i like mm. the kind of thematic elements they're adding to this to make them all feel kind of more similar yeah it's uh very i i, I like this thing you know I kind of like the, doing it. Doing it this way is is almost nicer, you know. Where, where it's in the moment, it's they're in the field and they just have to learn how to do it. And he, he Cannon basically gives them the option, uh, the opportunity to learn how to do a Jedi mind trick, with the knowledge that yeah, if he fails, Cannon will just step in and do it for him. But mm-hmm. at least he can learn. And I kind of like that better than what we had earlier in the in the in the season of Rebels, where every single episode started out with a training moment, right, with with Cannon and Ezra. And then they'd finish the scene. We'd get the Rebels logo uh, and logo, and then we'd go into the episode, and they wouldn't really touch on the training anymore. Whereas mm-hmm. this yeah. one, it's 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 more in the moment. It's uh, on the job. on the job exactly. Yep. And yeah, it's on the job training. Did a really good job with that. And the other thing I like about this was it was it was like an Ezra way of a mind meld, or not mind meld. I'm sorry, the Jedi mind trick, because it's like you know you will evacuate and and it's like it will be in a hurry i mean it's that type it's not a very um what am i trying to say um polished way that you would expect but it was more of like with his with his flair and like his cadence of how he would say something and his you know being a kid it was literally repeating exactly what a kid would say instead of taking it just like, you know, this is your commander. I'm willing you to, you know, to evacuate the ship. It's like, no, you really, really need to evacuate the ship. And I really mean this because, you know, this is the captain. Yeah, it was definitely more childish, but coming yeah. from Ezra, I think, I think that's probably okay. And it worked. I mean, that's the thing that really worked. The one thing, and I've been meaning to bring this up on a couple episodes, but the the design for the imperial officers is kind of kind of creepy in some ways you you know their their caps cover their eyes so you actually never see their eyes at all it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. angle they're they're facing it's kind of a weird unsettling thing in some ways throwaway characters 
Yeah, you know I mean, I mean I, it allows you to yeah. use them a lot more because you don't really see much of their face. Right. Yeah. Uh, another little nice moment that I liked is when uh, Sabine and, and, and Zeb are going after uh, Numa and Gobi. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're holed up behind a bunch of explosives, so, and they can't shoot them. Uh, and the Empire's forces are coming after them as well. So what do they do? They, they steal, a, like they capture a mouse droid, an MSC droid, uh, rig it with um, uh, some sort of uh, charge. I think it's a stun. Yeah, like a yeah it's like charge. a stun charge. And then they, they drive the mouse droid right over to Numa and Gobi and are able to stun him right away. Which is a nice creative use of the, the mouse droid. Mm-hmm. It's like a... I always tried to figure there. out what was the use of the mouse droid. Now we figured out a wh- figured out what it was for. They're supposed to run away scared, right? The mouse That's do. all you've seen them do. <laughs> or, or, okay, and this goes to Star Tours... You, you see a mouse droid go off the platform as the star speeder comes up. Oh, spoiler alert. You have to watch the video at the beginning, but you will see it fall. Sorry. Had to throw that in there. I've been on Star Tours too much, people. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's it's at this point when you've got Hera on the ship of the carrier that she learns that she's trying to get the carrier out of the system that her father deactivated the ship's hyperdrive. Okay, talk about a second. That, to me, is a second double cross. Not mm-hmm. only, yeah, not only to sit there and stun the crew of the Ghost, handcuff your daughter to basically carry on a quote-unquote mission, but to go so far as deactivating the hyperdrive, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, and, that and this leads into the big moment too, right? Where uh, Hera is basically forced to plead to her father for help, saying, uh, and she says, you know, the rebellion. She basically has to tell her the rebellion's no different than the war you're fighting. It's just on a larger scale. You know, she wants freedom uh-huh. from the empire just as much as he does. Mm-hmm. And I loved this so much, and because this plays exa- I think this is going to be the big legacy of Rebels right here. Is this is what. This is what it was like. Why the Rebel Alliance is so important, and why it's something that the uh, I was gonna say the Force Awakens, the Force Unleashed, uh, showed off is lots of people were upset about the Empire and were fighting the Empire, you know, exactly like Cham is. But the real, the impressive part is when they come together, form the Alliance, and say, you know what, we're gonna worry about something bigger than just our my home turf. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna worry about the galaxy, not just Ryloth. And watching Cham be on the other side of that and watching Hera convince him, like, this is how the rebellion is formed. His conversation is exactly like this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really great moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when he comes comes around with the line that says, you know, I guess you have your chance to prove me wrong because, you know, you still have him standing there. Which you know. still seem kind of... Uh... You know, he, he still wasn't quite ready to side with her yet. You know, I guess you have your chance to prove me wrong. He was he was starting to open up, but even at that point, he wasn't hadn't quite changed his ways yet. And it's only the fact that Gobi and Numa were wanting to support Hera that. Um, mm-hmm. I I really like that as well. Yeah. Like yeah. I like. Okay, go ahead. I, sorry, I was gonna say I just I really appreciated that it wasn't like ah moving speech. You're right. I'll join you. It was he's not sure, and he has to hear from the rest of his team. And I just I love that the way they did that so much more. 
But if you take his position, he's been on Ryloth for so long and he's been fighting to free that planet. I think it would be hard for him to think in a broader perspective at this point. He would it would need more convincing for him to think that broad because he still wants to send a message to the people of Ryloth that you need to rise up and free this planet first before we move on. That's mm-hmm. probably why it's like, you know, here's your chance to prove me wrong. So free this planet first, do this first, and then we'll see going forward. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was interesting, though, that, that Hera mentions that she left uh, because Cham wouldn't believe in her and see how the rebellion and the free Ryloth movement were the same. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious to learn a bit more there, too. Like, What is the timeline for this? Because as we mentioned earlier, she and she hadn't seen her dad in a while, even right after the Clone Wars. So did they... Were they separated for a while, maybe because he was fighting the war, and they got back together, and she was older, and she started helping out, and then maybe uh, she decided she wanted to go help the, you know, help the whole galaxy instead of a single world, and that's where they didn't see eye to eye. I don't know. I'm not really sure how that timeline works. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that's a story for another day to either be described in a comic or a book. Yeah. There's still many little stories that are out there that can be told. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But with all this with all this going on, th- they have a little problem. Um there's still an Imperial uh oh, light ship. Yeah, light cruiser stolen system that you know, they seem to be turning around and heading toward that carrier and didn't they send some reinforcements over to to try and take back the carrier? Yeah, and we got this really nice scene of them all defending the uh, I was going to say the flurry, the carrier uh, and a number of turrets as the, bo- uh, you know, fighters come by. And then my favorite part, when the bombers show up and start dropping the bigger pieces. That was pretty cool when they were actually bombing the carrier. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, well, they got a couple of them. And then I'm like watching the bombers blow these giant holes and ship like, well, that will take a while to fix. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they even, the the torpedoes from the TIE bombers end up taking out one of the stabilizers on the ship, uh, leading to a, a I want to say a nice moment, even though I'm not fully sure I understand how it works on a technical level, um, Hera, where Hera and Cham have to pilot the ship together to safety. And it's kind of one of those this teamwork moment where they're able to father and daughter are able to work together. The one thing that bothered re- me, and Stephen, you can provide some insight on this is, okay, they lost the stabilizers, so it just took more force to write them, and once they were writing, yeah, it took more pull. And once they were <sighs> level, they didn't have to worry about stuff anymore. Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a big suspension. Suspension of disbelief. I, mean, I, I accept that the stabilizers the go out, the gravity goes out, and that they're dipping to the side because of the planets there with and give, providing grip, uh, a gravitational pull. But really, why does pulling on it make it better? Right. Maybe they just had to fly far enough away from the planet, and then it was okay. Yeah, in it bothered Sith, that me. Makes sense, right? The stabilizer uh, goes out, the ship crashes into the planet. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Which which we see at some point. Right. But uh, this one didn't get quite as much. But no, oh, no. Oh. I I do like. I have to say, I do like how 
it was Sabine came up with a way to deal with that other uh what was it again, Stephen? It was I want to keep saying light cruiser. It was uh, a light cruiser. With the quasar fire class or the no, no, the no, no, Im- a... the imperial ship that was coming after yeah, them. Yeah, I've been calling it the light cruiser. I don't have a better okay. name, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but but it's fascinating how there was just still one tie bomber, or was it the same tie bomber they came in on? They loaded it up with explosives and basically just let it let it go adrift out into space. And kind of use that as a, oh, almost like a, I would consider a depth charge, but had to be shot at perfectly to cause an explosion on this light cruiser to damage it enough to where, you know, Cham got what he wanted. He wanted to crash something into the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were able to get it by destroying this this light cruiser. Um, yep. So, he, you know, they, they kind of... Both got their wish. Cham got his explosion. The uh, the rebels got their 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 carrier, and, uh, and everyone was happy. And as a result, many of the Twi'leks began rallying against the Empire and Ryloth. Yeah. And then Chopper was able to fix the hyperdrive with Cham's help, and and everybody's all happy. Yep. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. I mean, basically, the episode ends with Cham and Hera having a. Kind of a heart to heart where he reveals that he was heartbroken when Hera left, and uh, but now he realizes that she's like her mother, a dreamer, and he calls her Captain Sindola and says that he's proud of her, and, and, uh, and Hera, and he basically leaves, and Hera tells him you know that she learned to be a leader because of him, and everybody's you know kind of patting each other on the back and telling each other how great they are, but <laughs> at least they all they made up. We'll yeah. see how big of a role Cham plays in future episodes, but I'm hoping we see him again alongside Rex as part of uh, a bigger formation of the uh, rebellion. Now, am I correct in saying, did they do a flashback in this one where we actually saw a little bit of Mace Windu? I no. don't recall a flashback. No. Okay. Why? They no. mentioned okay. Mace Windu. Yeah, there okay. was a mention, but I didn't see a uh, okay. actual no, anything no else. Okay, but I like the I like the mention of Mace Windu. By unless, by of course, and... unless of course I actually went back and watched a Clone Wars episode that uh, had maybe that. Maybe you're thinking of Rebels Recon that showed a clip. Of... That's it. Okay, thank you, Rebels Recon. That's what I mean. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, <laughs> no problem, no problem. I'm just just kind of showing. I'm paying attention and. Suck, you know, going into all the reference when it comes to this episode you research. Do, you gotta do. Absolutely. So, um, are are we up for uh, ratings on this one? Sure. Okay. Works for me. Let's do this. All right. Uh, who wants to Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll take it. How about that? Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, go ahead. Um. Now, overall, I thought this was a fantastic episode. Uh. You know, nothing happened necessarily on the on a, on a larger scale. It didn't have Ahsoka. It didn't have Maul. But you don't need to have those, right? I think what we were talking about last week when we were talking about these these standalone episodes is that you want to have a really great story with to pair with the character development. If you give me a little bit of behind the scenes on a character, but the uh, you know, a little bit of their history uh, or, or kind of grow them in, a, in, in some way, but the, the story itself isn't as compelling... I don't really care, but if if you have a great story with great acting and 
um, and, and a great setup, and, and it all just kind of meshes together well. That's when you have a very great standalone episode. And standalone episodes, and you know, they're they're not a bad thing at all. They can be very good. And this, I think, is how you do it. In fact, it was so well done. Uh, I mean, I felt like maybe the the very last scene went by pretty quickly, but um, other than that. Uh, you know, this episode felt much longer than 22 minutes. You know, it seemed like mm-hmm. it was a almost like an hour. Uh, it was paced very well. And uh, you know, to your to your point earlier, Tom, I I completely missed it. So I, I rewatched the episode twice last night, right after it aired, and did the show notes. I completely missed the fact that he uh, uh, he he screwed up the everybody everyone's names. I don't know how I missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went back and rewatched it, and you're you're totally right. And everybody gets these these annoyed looks on their face, and he even completely mm-hmm. forgets to call out Chopper's name and introduce him. And Chopper gets this, you know, uh, gets kind of annoyed at him, and, uh, beeps and whistles. But um, you know, overall, this episode was fantastic. I love Cham. I love Numa. We have the return of um, Cap Tabor as Numa, and uh, everything just made sense and fit so well. And I guess that's really all I can say. There's not much else to, say, to talk about that we haven't already discussed. So with that, I think I'm going to give this uh, 9.5 Womp Rats out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Oof. my Womp Rats are going to uh, pick each other up at the force and throw each other in a, in a giant line. Um, you know how kind of uh, you know how kids will do leapfrog around uh, over each other mm-hmm. endlessly? That that's basically what these Womp Rats are doing, but with the force. Very nice. Cool. That's cool. Okay. Um, I'll go next. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to... You know, we've said enough within this episode about it. It's a good episode. It was a very solid episode. I do agree. If you're going to do a standalone episode that moves at a really good pace, that moves the story forward, this is how you do it. And the nice thing about it is there is the good call back to the Clone Wars episodes and also little touches to Legends Universe. So I am going to give this a nine Womp Rat. I'm doing it because I really don't want to do the half Womp Rat because I feel sorry for the guy. Um, I am going to take my nine Womp Rats. And you know what? They were the nine Womp Rats and the TIE Bombers that were going to attack Ryloth. I don't know what else to do with them. I think the last time I, I last episode I was kind of cruel with them. I'm just going to let them fly the TIE Bombers. And, and they may not. Yeah, they'll fly the, the, the TIE Bombers. They, they may land on the planet and run away and, you know, start a different life down there. They may fly back to the carrier and join the rebellion and fly the A-wings next time. And as everybody knows, the rebellion's kind of hurting for pilots, so you know they could join the rebellion and fly some A-wings and get shot down there. So you never know. That's what I'm gonna do with them. I think that works. Steven, you're up. Yeah. Okay. So I completely agree. This was the best episode of Rebels I can remember in a long time. We, I felt like we got some real depth and backstory the writing was perfect throughout and the story itself i thought was really interesting i loved that everything kind of came together and and the big thing especially after the last couple episodes is it had an ending and it had a satisfying mm-hmm. ending and it was something that we'd really been missing uh so i think i'm gonna have to i'm gonna give this nine out of ten womp rats 
And so here's, I want you to picture something. So underneath the console of the uh, carrier, there are a whole bunch of womp rats standing on like a big plate that's got like a single thing in the bottom and they're balancing. So when the stabilizers mm. go out, the womp rats are holding onto like the back of the controls <laughs> and they're falling. And that's why the ship lists and that's why it took two people to hold it back. It says, you know, they got to drag the weight of the womp rats over. I thought you were going to say they're balancing, and when it goes off balance, they're the ones running in the opposite direction to bring the balance back. And that would it also was, be pretty good. Yeah, and, and you've got Cham and, and Hera helping them get it back into balance because they're running to the other side to – okay, anyway. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> it works, though. Of course it does. Ah. So we've got next week coming up on the Clone Wars. We have Rebel Season Two, Episode Fifteen, the Honorable Ones. Yeah, we have a synopsis. Yeah, and this episode should be very interesting. We have Zeb and Agent Callus find themselves stranded on an ice planet after a failed Imperial ambush of the Rebels. With Callus injured from the escape pod crash, he and Zeb must work together to survive the harsh conditions. Hmm. Yeah. So do you think there'll be some mutual respect for somebody well, or not? Because you know Zeb and Callus, like Callus killed many many of Zeb's people, and what we found right. is that there are more um, Lasat left alive now in the galaxy. Callus uh, is still responsible for many 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 deaths, and so uh, I see a lot of uh, conflict happening. But here's the other thing, Agent Callus. How is he going to react? Because the last time he saw them, they went into the unknown, and he was under the impression that they were not going to come back. How is he going to react to that one? Yeah, I'm very I, curious. I, I hope they address that. I, I do. I do too. It better not be an oh, they're back again. I mean, there should be something like I thought you died. Yeah. Exactly. So, I'm very mm-hmm. curious, and. Uh, it sounds like we might only have uh, one, two, three, four more episodes. The last one being an hour long, though, left in the season. So we're we're getting close to the season here. Wow. So I'm very curious. Uh, well, from that trailer, we know a lot of good stuff is coming. So. Oh yep. yeah. And even from the show titles, there's some stuff mm-hmm. coming. Indeed, yep. indeed. So. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you as always for listening, and we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, you'll have a little bit longer of a wait than normal, be- just because uh, uh, we're recording this one so sh- so quickly after it aired, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of us are busy next week. So it'll probably be oh ten days or so before the next uh, the next episode. If if you're listening to this on uh, on Thursday the eighteenth. When this releases, but um, we will be back soon with a review of the honorable ones. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. 
This podcast is a production of fans by fans and is copyright 2015.